Now, I'm going to tell you, tell you this, and I hope you understand me, because I'm an old hillbilly, and sometimes they say I'm from down yonder, you see, so uh, you'll have to be careful what I'm saying so you can understand me. Is that in tune? Thank you. Well, 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 what do you know? The little banjo podcast that could has reached triple digits, folks. Thank you for joining me for episode 100 of the Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast. This is Keith Billick. I'm so happy to have you all joining me. And I guess uh, next stop is quadruple digits, right? I hope there are that many banjo players that this show can keep going for that long. But as you well know, if you've heard this show before, this podcast wouldn't be going at all if it wasn't for the extremely generous support of my Patreon subscribers. And today's Patreon subscriber of the show is Jeffrey Norman. Jeffrey and I, I don't think, have met in person, but we do have a bit of connection. We have both recorded banjo demonstration videos for elderly instruments. He has done most of the claw hammer demos, whereas I've done the three finger demos, of course. And it's just cool that we have that connection of working for one of the podcast sponsors, Elderly Instruments. And Jeff also says he likes to listen to the show on his commute to and from work. So Jeff, I hope you have a great day at work today. Either that or Jeff, I hope you had a great day of work. Drive safely home, please. And either way, thanks, Jeff, for supporting the show on patreon.com slash banjo podcast. And, you know, I, I figured this would be a great opportunity with episode number 100 to look back at past Patreon supporters. And specifically, I want to give one more round of recognition for those of you who have been with me the longest. So I'm going to read these names who have been Patreon supporters for over four years. So they go back basically to the very beginning. So those people are Kevin Kerwin, Leonard Leedy, Charles Phipps, Roger Bigelow, Mike Tripico, Heath Reinhard, and Brent Davis. You were just outside the four-year bubble, but I'll I'll count you in since you're such a, a good supporter. And number one supporter the the earliest longest in time patreon supporter still active is peter eckel peter thank you so much i couldn't do it without all of your help and thanks everyone for going to patreon.com slash banjo podcast to support the show i also need to acknowledge the other sponsors of the show and primarily that is peghead nation Peghead Nation is a streaming video site where you can take courses in banjo, guitar, mandolin, fiddle, dobro, upright bass, and uke, and you can learn all sorts of styles of music with some of the best teachers in the industry. To give you a taste of what is available on Peghead Nation, you can take beginning banjo or bluegrass banjo with Bill Evans. You can teach clawhammer banjo with Evie Layden, Wade Ward style banjo with Bruce Molsky, the banjo according to Danny Barnes, and also contemporary bluegrass banjo with Wes Corbett. And Picky Fingers listeners get a free month at Peghead Nation by using promo code PICKYFINGERS at checkout. That's all one word, all lowercase. And I will have to say it was a 
an extra special treat to run into the founder of Peghead Nation, Dan Gable, last week at a gig up here in Michigan. He has family and showed up, and it was a great surprise to see him and always nice to catch up a bit with him. So Dan and the rest of your Peghead Nation crew, thank you so much for supporting the show. Other supporters, Elderly Instruments, of course, I have a long history with them and as always they are the world's most trusted source for new used and vintage stringed instruments it's definitely where i go for all my banjo and other stringed instrument needs if you can't make it to their lansing michigan showroom just give them a visit at elderly.com this is a family-owned business since 1972 they will take great care of you once again, elderly.com. And then there's another Michigan company, GHS Strings, made right down the road from me in Battle Creek. Head over to ghsstrings.com to check out their offerings. And you can use the same sets as Bela Flex, Sonny Osborne, JD Crow, or me. I'm a GHS user myself and highly recommend checking those out. Also, don't hesitate to reach out and say howdy. You can email the show at pickyfingersbanjopodcast at gmail.com. Hit me up with all of your questions, comments, or suggestions for what you think I should do for 900 more episodes to get me to those quadruple digits. Other ways to support the show, give me all the likes and subscribes that your platform offers and track me down on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter so that you can stay updated with new episodes and news from Picky Fingers HQ. A short life and its trouble And a few more words to part Short life and its trouble Little girl, full boy with a broken heart You know what you brought Today's featured guest is banjo legend Wade Maynard And the interview for this episode Is being conducted by folk music legend Mike Seeger Now, this is where you might be tempted to ask Keith I thought Wade Maynard and Mike Seeger have both been dead for over 10 years, and you would be correct, but here's the story with this. Many of you know that I am highly affiliated with Midwest Banjo Camp. I have been uh, on faculty at times, and then at other times have run the sound for their faculty concerts. And the first faculty concert that I ever ran sound for, uh, for Midwest Banjo Camp, was back in 2007 where they invited Wade Maynard to be interviewed by Mike Seeger. And as part of that, I made a recording. So as far as I know, I am the only person who has a recording of this interview from 2007. And miraculously, I have managed to preserve it through <laughs> however many moves I've done or floods I've had. Uh, I, I, I still have it and have been sitting on it, always planning to release it as a podcast. You know, honestly, I was planning to use it if I ever ran out of interviews to publish, and that just never quite happened, very luckily. But here I am at episode 100, and it just seemed uh, fitting to do something kind of different and cool like this. So, some notes about this. First of all, who is Wade Maynard? Uh, you may have heard mention of Wade Maynard during the Steve Huber interview. He was asked, Steve Huber, what is what is the best 
pre-war flathead you have ever played. And without missing a beat, he said Wade Maynard's original flathead five-string Granada. So that's where you might be familiar with the name. Other than that, he is a two-finger banjo player, but that predated Earl Scruggs in terms of being a fingerstyle banjoist. In fact, the sound clip that, that you've been hearing is from 1937 when Earl would have been 13 years old. And you can already hear that Wade has a highly developed banjo playing style, which doesn't sound much different from early traditional bluegrass as played by Scruggs and Ralph Stanley and all of those type of players. So anyway, Wade went on to have a very long recording and performing career and was one of the early stars of that uh, first generation bluegrass old timey type of folk music that was around in the 30s and onward. Now this is where I need to also mention that Wade's wife, Julia, was with him for this interview and you can hear her speaking and singing and she had a bit of a successful music career herself and was a considered a pioneering uh, female artist in those times. And I think one of my favorite parts of this recording is that you can hear them talk in a quiet room and yet as soon as anything funny happens, you hear just an uproar of laughter or as soon as they finish a song, you will hear a, a thunderous applause. But then it gets so quiet while they're speaking that you can feel how everybody is hanging on every word from these music legends that they're in the presence of. And uh, it, I think it's just great. And in fact, I had never considered this, but when I was putting together this episode, it occurred to me that perhaps witnessing this interview way back when in 2007, perhaps that stuck with me and was an inspiration for me doing this podcast at all. Two other things to note, the recording quality is not typical uh, Picky Fingers standards. When I recorded it, it was literally just a CD burner plugged into the soundboard and I did not pay much attention to the recording levels. I was much more focused on getting the sound right in the room. So as a consequence, there there's definitely a bit of distortion. I tried to do as much cleanup with uh, audio sound quality as I could. I did not edit this at all in terms of content. So you are hearing the entire interview, but standard disclaimer with the audio quality. And then last but not least, this seemed like a fitting interview to air because at the time of this interview in 2007, Wade Maynard was exactly 100 years old. And so here we are, episode 100, featuring 100-year-old Wade Maynard and his wife, Julia Maynard, being interviewed by Mike Seeger. some talk and to have some music. Most of the music will be uh, tonight at the uh, concert. 
but um, we thought we'd have a little bit of conversation along with the music, but looks like they're all set up for some music right now. Yeah. Would you like to play us a tune now? of that back in the 1930s it sounded a whole lot just like that back in the 1930s I wonder if you could tell a little bit about what you what your life was like when you were playing music in the in the North Carolina in the mountains and in the Piedmont in the 1930s well as you all know back there in the 1930s North Carolina and South Carolina had a depression down there, and uh, it uh, just tore that country up, and they all lost their jobs and this and, and, and that. And so uh, me and my brother got together and talked about uh, some of the things we might be doing. He was working in a cotton mill at that time, and I was a little boy. I was on the farm. He was much older than I was, and I was on the farm there, and so we figured around how we got a hold of our instruments and, and all and sat down and figured it out how we was uh, going to work it. He was going to play the fiddle and I was going to play the banjo. But my brother-in-law, Roscoe Banks, was a fiddle player and he played a fiddle left-handed. But back there then, you know, you didn't, uh, a banjo and a fiddle was the only thing that you had to play. They were doing together, there wasn't no guitars or anything like that, and so uh, we uh, got together and started practicing, rehearsing, and all, and finally we kindly got together with the, uh, what was that? Hmm? Oh, I thought she was gonna kick me. 
I wasn't going to let that happen. <laughs> and uh, we got together and got our music started. We had a hard time back there in the mountains. We, see, I'm from the Blue Ridge and Smoky Mountains we were, and all in there in North Carolina. So we didn't have money to buy no, no well, music instruments or anything. So the homemade ones was about the only thing that we could get. And so we found one or two of them laying around, and we got to get... Uh, picking them up and playing. So we got our brother-in-law to uh, show us how to start the fiddle, and he did. And so uh, I was going to take up the fiddle, but J.E. said, no, let me have the fiddle. And you'd say, you play the banjo. And uh, so we changed that way, or I'd have been the banjo uh, fiddler, and he'd have been the banjo player. But we changed that way and everything, and we started uh, playing. And uh, I guess maybe uh, now... I'm going to tell you, tell you this, and I hope you understand me, because I'm an old hillbilly, and sometimes they say I'm from down yonder, you see, so uh, you'll have to be careful what I'm saying so you can understand me, see. And uh, we was uh, sitting down there, and uh, we got to, let's see, what was it that, that I started telling you? Well, let me play another tune before I do that. You don't do that, let's do that. Come on, let's just play. Uh... Huh? Here's a little, one of those little mountain tunes down there we learned when we was kids growing up. We had to learn our music the hard way. Nobody taught us anything. We didn't have nobody teach us nothing, and we had to practice it all ourselves. We didn't know music, and in fact, we wasn't educated enough to buy music to read it and all, and so we just played it by ear and let it go, and so that's, uh, that's, uh, that's the way we got started in there. What was it? Sydney. So here's that old tune. If I can get my fingers to work in. Like a 
coffee pot, her mouth looked like a spell. Her nose looked back far place with the aces breaking down. Get along for my chasing noses. Come on, get along home, Cindy. Cindy, farewell. supposed to be up here with me. <laughs> you, you're walking all around the floor back there. I don't know where you're hitting, what you're doing. Well, I was getting now ready to do a little... what am I going to do? I was going to do the flat foot there for oh, a while. Oh, will you? We'll, we'll get back, mister. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I guess you got a lot to tell them about. We, we talked about how we first met, you know, and all, and where we was playing, and this, that, and the other, and what the, how hard the times and all was. And, uh, over. Why don't you... Uh, I'm gonna, uh, I think you. folks would really like to know kind of what your family life, your, your family, folks play music and... No, uh, there's none of them that played music except my dad. He, uh, he sung lots, you know, he had a good voice and he, he sung a lot. And uh, that's where we learned a lot of them old, old songs from him, you know, and all. And we were born back there, like I said, in the mountains. and. So we didn't have nobody to show us and all. We just had to learn, learn on our own. And uh, so we kind of kept fiddling around, fiddling around. Finally, we got us a little band and we started out from there. That Did, was back in about 20, in the 20s. Could you sing one of the songs that you learned? Did you learn some songs from your dad? Yeah, I, uh, that first one there I sung was from my dad. The Take yeah. Me in the Lifeboat? Take Me in the Lifeboat, yes. Mm -hmm. That's one of his old songs. And he just sang it without... Sing without music. Without music. Yeah, all of that. Well, then where did you pick up your banjo picking from? Uh, I think there's an old guy there on, uh, on the creek that lived pretty close by, and uh, so he had an old banjo, and, and as I said there a while ago, they used to pay for square dances, and they didn't have nothing but a banjo or maybe just a fiddle to play uh, square dances with and all, and so I guess maybe... A, I'd go to them square dances, and sometimes when they'd lay one of their instruments down on, I got attached to a banjo. I liked the sound of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I kept monkeying around with it and kept monkeying around with it. Now, back there then, they, there was no, uh, you might say, no two, three-finger banjo stuff, you know. It was all free. So, and I guess you have a lot of those frailers or drop-thumbing or claw-hammering or whatever you call it around here. I don't know, but... Uh, Back there then, that's about all it was, you know, that type of music. And so I, I, I was uh, standing there by the side of the, uh, this guy that laid his banjo down, and I went over there. Every time I'd get a chance, I'd go over there and, you know, hit the banjo. But when I'd when I done that, it didn't, it didn't, told me I had a pitch. I, I, I don't know if, if uh, I, I missed uh, uh, the words or what it was, it throwed me out of pitch. And so I started tuning it uh, like that. And when I tuned it like that, I said, I 
does sound like there might be some music in that chord. And I kept mucking with it, kept mucking with it. Regularly, I hit a lick like, and I, I exploded. <laughs> I, uh, I took up that two-finger style before. Now, there's, there's a good little story before that. Before we done that, uh, J.E. was playing the fiddle and I was playing the banjo. And uh, so when I come back to him, well, after I, we got back together, I started to learn that three-finger style, you know. And uh, we, he said, wait, he said, I don't want you playing that music like that. I said, that, that don't sound good with my fiddle. And he said, I can't, says, you can't keep good time with me and you're picking with, with your fingers, you know, you know. And I said, well, I didn't know that. He said, you're throwing me out of time, way out of time. And he said, you go back to two fingers, stop picking that banjo. And he was the one that caused me to stick to the two finger style. So I guess you hear about it wherever you go, you know, the two-finger style banjo player from the Smoky Mountains and Blue Ridge Mountains. And so uh, that's the way we, uh, we, we got together then, and then we got the fiddles and things and all. And so that's the start of the Mainer Mountaineers Mountaineer. Now, I, I, I was born up, you know, in North Carolina, a little old tot there, and didn't know much, and I didn't know much to know. But uh, yeah, just, ev ev everything, you know, went along good and peaceful. But I said, uh, well, we just stay with the music. And we kind of got our band together and got to playing and going over the country, you know, like that. And playing at uh, these here uh, uh, schoolhouses. And, and a lot of, uh, we played a lot at uh, these homes where sick people was and all. And we, we were on the radio. Well, we'd get mail from them, and they'd want us to come out and play some music as we were on our way to put on a show. And uh, when I pulled away from J.E., that's what I'd done. I got me a band of my own called the uh, Sons of the Mountaineers. And I stuck to that land, that name, and I'm still sticking with it till I guess, till I quit playing the banjo, so, and somebody else might have it. Well, you were... Touring uh, when you met, you and Julia met. How how did your meeting? How did you come to meet? Uh, you and Julia come to meet. Uh, uh, <coughs> Julia will have to join Mark, in on I, this I, some too. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put you. Let me start that off. We were working out of Charlotte, WBT, North Carolina, and we had a good band back there then. For we worked with Crazy Water Crystals and. Uh, so the record shops began to get a hold of us, and we uh, recorded uh, for RCA Victor, never had to audition for them, and always just getting pretty good and better and better, seemed like. And uh, so uh, I, 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 I'm going to let her tell you how we met. <laughs> so. so this was back in uh, 1935, I believe, that um, my dad, well, we, let me first say that I was born and raised on a farm. <coughs> My dad was a farmer, and early mornings he liked to listen to the Mainer Mountaineers before he went to work. And um, so Mother and I, we decided um, that if possible... That's me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be holding. No, I'll hold it. Um, now I lost my 
Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but your mom and no, dad. That's okay. Um, yeah, my mother and I, we uh, thought that we would um, get together and see if uh, the Mainer Mountaineers would come up to uh, play for Dad's birthday, which was in June. And I written a letter, and they had the date open, so we accepted it. And during this time, I was broadcasting from the VSJS Winston-Salem, going by the name of Hillbilly Lily. <laughs> so um, that's kind of stuck with me all through the years. But um, anyway, I worked it to where I could get a program that day. So um, naturally, Dad had to drive me over at that time because I couldn't drive. And uh, it was about 26 miles to Winston-Salem from where we live. So dad take me over there and before we left though, mama told me, says, now you keep him as long as you can away from the house till the uh, mountaineers get in here. She was gonna fix supper. So, um, well, after the program, we went to a ball game and um, it was something else. I tried to keep him away and nothing would do that he had to get back to the house. So. We uh, went back to the house, and uh, Mama said, well, go over to the neighbor, ask him if uh, he would take Dad to town, tell him to have something, you know, that he would have to get. So anyway, uh, he got him to go to town. Well, uh, when they came back, my dad, the Mountaineers were there. So it was, a, you know, a great surprise for him, and they played... Um, Oh, several hours, and we had people to stop along the road to listen to the music. Of course, we had people invited, and um, we had a square dance there that night. And um, so that's where I met him when uh, we invited him up to play for my dad's birthday party. So um, that was it. <laughs> no, that wasn't it all. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do a song. <laughs> well, anyway, we started to go in together there, and we went together two or three years before we married in '37. And by the way, this coming November, we'd be married 70 years. <laughs> Well, I, you know, when I came in here, I seen this big crowd and all of you out there and, and how big a crowd you got here and everything. I was so nervous and, and everything. I couldn't say a, hardly a word, but I'd like to say it now. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I'm just so glad to be here and uh, so I uh, hope you know whether you're glad or not, but uh, <laughs> I don't know, but this, let's do, I'm going to do another number right here that I put on the other side of that there little, one of my big records, and it goes like this. Near a quiet country village stood a maple Shining brightly, we could 
Yeah, let's let's do one that. You, you give me the time, will you? I'll oh, play, yeah. I'll, I'll play all night if you want me to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is? Get in the oh, this is my this is my problem with her. Here it is. Way up on my back, and it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> is that in the first second? First. Oh, you can go down here. Excuse me, folks. I'll be getting. Is that in tune? Thank you. 
glad to be down here with you folks and and uh, I know uh, part of you is enjoying our music I can tell that <laughs> but uh, uh, you know we we could stay all night but somebody would have to feed us and that wouldn't work so with this big fella standing back here with this bass fiddle back here he'd get all over me because he, he, he brought us up here in that uh, car he's got out there. He, he had a thing on that car that absolutely amazed me. i tell you, I never heard of anything like it or seen it or anything before. It's a, something about that big, that glass or something, and he could read it out something or other here. Rickley puts this here, about a mile down the road, turn to your left. <laughs> and uh, I kept looking, and he said, Get down here, so many feet down there. He said, 
make a sharp turn and come back. You missed the road. <laughs> it, you know, that thing amazed me. Now, I'm, I know I'm an old man, but I, I don't feel it. I don't feel like I'm 100 years old, but I am, and I'm an old man, but uh, sometimes you can't fool me. You might one time, but you ain't going to fool me all the time. I said. <laughs> And so it was just n nice to have you, Virgil. Yeah. I appreciate you bringing us down here. You, you want to get one of those things, don't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this guy right over here, I've known him for, oh, I don't know, two years. I've grown old and he's getting younger. So, I, I used to know him when he was down here on Grand River. I guess a lot of you folks know when he started out in this business with his shop he's got and all. And I just, I just fell in love with him and his wife and they're good people and I like them. And I'm, Stan, I appreciate you bringing me over here. I've done already. Pleasure, I, I, I've already. I, <laughs> I just uh, hope sometime I can get to come back, me and my wife. And How about next year? Yeah. Well, we'll... Well... I'll bring you back. Stan, well, we're going to, we're going to have to see what the result says, eh? Before <laughs> you all get us back, we, we might not have us. And, and again, my, let's, do, let's do a song. Mike, where are you going? Sir. I'm here. Are you there? <laughs> Didn't you say you had a question you want to say? Yeah. Well, I'm curious. What did you do before you, when you were in, in the 1930s and you were going out to a job to play for somebody, how did you do when you didn't have one of those things to tell you that you missed the road? Buddy, we got lost several times. <laughs> <laughs> we, we found our way back. I'll tell you, it took us all night. One night after I put on a little show for some people down in the mountain, all night. And we have, about, you know, the schoolhouses down there, not, not great big when you talk about having to play two shows for people, you know, like this. Now, this would take, oh, two or three shows to fill up. I mean, you could fill up two or three churches. Churches. School, ain't it? I'm talking about a school, ain't it? Yeah, yeah the, the people would come, you know, and sit in there and listen to us and all, and so we'd just uh, uh, get through. We'd get, take off and go home. That ain't what I wanted to say, but you I said it. <laughs> hey, wait, can you tell us about, about your encounter with Eleanor Roosevelt? Well, Stan, I, I, I don't know. That's been a long time ago, but I, I, I did. I got encountered with him, and a fine fellow he was. They uh, called me from, uh, I was on a little radio station in Asheville, North Carolina, pretty close to my hometown, and so we got a telegram from uh, Washington. They sent it to WWNC, the radio station that I was on, and I only had three boys working with me at that time. Had a fiddle player and a guitar player and a banjo. And we kind of built a, our band up, you know, as we went along. And so um, the manager come to me, he said, wait, he said, uh, you've got a telegram here. He said, what, what do you want to do about it? I said, well, I ain't seen it yet. I said, why don't you read it to me? And uh, he read it to me and said, would you, could you get your band together 
and come down to Washington and play for the president on, on uh, what was that, 41, President Roosevelt. And, uh, well, I didn't know what to do because I, I wouldn't know how to act when I got down there no way. So I said, well, let's uh, talk about it. He said, we'll put, we'll put you on. So I went down there to play for him. We walked in the door down there, and uh, we had, had to carry our banjos out and walk by them guards. And I was looking every minute for them to tell me to drop my guns and <laughs> hold up my hand, you know. But uh, they, they didn't do that. But uh, we made it all across over there. We got in there, and so we got to talking. We was in the blue room of the uh, 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 the White House down there. And so uh, that's been a long time. Now, you'll have to excuse me. I started to say a while ago, if you read any stories in these magazines and books and all of them of me uh, telling somebody my history of my life, like I'm talking to this guy right here, you know. Now... If, if he was a writer or something, he may go back and write the story a little different from the way I tell it, see. But uh, I, I told it, and I always tell people, if you've got any of those stories in them books, magazines or letters or cards or whatever they are, and then you see the article in the bluegrass festivals and the song books and things like that, you can just say, well, he said this here, and he said that there, there. That was none of my doings. <laughs> No, that was a guy that was writing the story. He wanted to write it like he wanted to. And I, I know I, I, I thought about that several times that people might think, well, that's the biggest liar in the whole country. <laughs> Come, Tell them uh, about that ice cream you spilled on her, or she spilled on you. Well, I, I, I'll get around to that, baby. I, I, forgot, I forgot about it, did he? <laughs> yeah, we went all in there and uh, sat down and played the music and everything. And, so after we got uh, through playing and singing and all, now this is sponsored uh, by the, uh, the folklore down there, or archives or something like that. And uh, so it was uh, sponsored by them. Alan Lomax is the man that uh, got it together and got me kind of going like that. And so we, after we got through and all, uh, we they had a little something there to eat, and we sat down. And I talked to the president about, oh, I guess 20 minutes. And he said, uh, what does the folks in North Carolina think? I said, what do they think about me? I said, Mr. President, they love you. I said, those people back there love you. Now, you come along here and got them a job to work, have one that's on, uh, uh, what do you call them, PA or... or, or WPA and all that was going on, and he did. He put a lot of people to work, and so, uh, well, anyway, we had a little snack, and I got up and uh, went to the door, and they give us some ice cream in a bowl. I'm skipping some of it. Ice cream in a, in a bowl, and they reached it to me, and Mrs. Roosevelt came to, to me and said, that you, you Ever see one of them old bat doors, you know, it goes this way and, and that way. Stan, I know I'm going over time, but now, don't, and, uh, you know, I got my ice cream and I got up to one of them doors, and she went out for something, and when she come back, I was standing beside a, one of them doors. <laughs> and when I did, she just didn't know I was there. She pushed it and hit hard enough and hit the ice cream on on on, uh, on, on my in my bowl and broke the bowl, and the ice cream went all over her. I mean, 
Did this. So she said, oh, well, maybe in those, you know, an old country, but I, I started to get my bandana out of my pocket, you know, and try to wrap it out. She said, no, no. I said, don't do that. I said, you go ahead with your... We we say said I'll be back in a minute. So she went out and she went. We come back and the party went on. <laughs> uh, got time for one, more. one more. Let's do that. I will follow Jesus. Let's do that. <coughs> or, no, do silver. Hey, let her do silver haired daddy. I think somebody want to sing that silver haired daddy to me. Does that down in the next key there? An A. Well, if I can get it, I'm not sure. Do it. Then I appreciate. Fellas don't mind, do you? I'm enjoying this so much, and I have to quit. <laughs>
I want to do you all that I can't sit down, but uh, uh, we, we we'll save that one for tonight. Huh? That'll be a great one for tonight. Are we coming back tonight? I hope you're staying for tonight. Well, I don't know. I, you already told me before. I thought we had to wind up ours and get going. Leave. Well, I hope you're going to stay around. We'll feed you. Mike, I appreciate that. We'll feed you all, too, and that's part of the reason we have to stop. And so, uh, I'm sorry, but we have to break now for supper, otherwise... We don't get it. And also, but also, Wade has some. Wade and Julia have some CDs here for those of you who can be late to supper. In the far corner that way. There's On your left is your head out. Thanks, everyone, for joining me for the 100th episode of the Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast. The song clip you heard at the front of the show was Short Life and Its Trouble by Wade Maynard and Zeke Morris. Special thanks to the Patreon supporter of the show. That's Jeffrey Norman. Head over to patreon.com slash banjo podcast to support the show yourself. And I'm going to get back to work on the next 900 episodes to make it to 1,000. And I'll see you all next time.